Welcome back to Agents of Smooch. We are going to Iceland for a mission that is so, 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 so bad. It's super tremendous. When Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga debuted this summer, our agents knew we needed to add an extra stop for our vacation. It is going to be a very sexy time. I am director Annette Weirstra, and today I have with me Agent Sage Young. Hello, Sage. I'm checking you out. I'm checking you out. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. <laughs> well, you, you started tell. this. Oh yeah, you started this. We were on Facebook. And I'm like, we should just do an episode about this because it's so Heck yes. good. Spoiler. I also have with me Agent Moises Chuyan. Hey, Moises. Let's go sex nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so quotable. Yep. Uh, I have also brought in our very own Eurovision expert from Sweden, Agent Julia Scott. Hello, Julia. I've been trying all day to think of the best, like, actual Eurovision quote to bring into it, and I realized it will be funny exactly only to me. <laughs> An audience of one. I could say, uh, I was defeated. This movie won the war. <laughs> this movie came out to Netflix, and... I'm just so interested in it because I think the general expectations around this movie that I heard from so many people is that they expected it just to be really bad. And to be fair, I know some people who really don't like this movie. But I also hear a lot from people who watched it and were like, wait, 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 what is this? This is kind of awesome. And I think that it is so interesting. I want to know your expectations about this because I was like, ah, it looks like it's okay. And I would take a winger on it and then was just texting with my friends, like my little comments as I often do about the movie. And then I was like, no, wait, guys, you actually do have to watch this because it's kind of great. So how are your feelings about this movie when you saw it coming? I mean, for me, because I love Eurovision completely unironically and with my full heart, uh, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, and I was briefly wor worried because, you know, Will Ferrell does, you know, parody of a passion very well, but sometimes it can be a bit much for me. But then I, you know, I, I love a lot of the things he does. And then I remembered his wife is Swedish. He has spent a lot of time in Sweden. I'm assuming that she has forced him to watch a lot of this. So I, I also <laughs> figured there would be a lot of love there. And I... I have a passion for, you know, movies with lots of musical numbers, and I have any kind of passion for, like, you know, an underdog story, and we have to save the ice rink, slash, uh, dad's house, slash, whatever, like, that whole, like, competition movie. So this had everything for me. Plus, it was really funny because the, you know, obviously, the, the actual Eurovision Song Contest was cancelled this year mm -hmm. and the actual entry from Iceland this year was amazing like I was oh, fully man. expecting it to Aww. win and I was like is 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 coronavirus just a big conspiracy so that Iceland couldn't win or was it a conspiracy from Iceland because they couldn't afford the host <laughs> next year oh that is the question <laughs> going off of Julia's point I, th I think I had read some things um either leading up to this or after I watched it the first time that the whole 
genesis of this project was that Will Ferrell loves Euro Eurovision and mm-hmm. had like they had gone last year and done like sort of a just just to be there and to like take it in and um, do some research and stuff like that. So yeah, it definitely like comes from a place of love and um, uh, in terms of my actual expectations, uh, I think being that the theatrical release slate has changed so much over the last like 10 15 years there aren't a lot of just like sort of moderately priced or even cheap comedies that are r-rated that make it to or like r-rated pg that like make it into theaters and i kind of miss that Mm -hmm. little bit of genre like there just aren't a lot of like moderately fine comedies that are you just go to see on a saturday afternoon with your friends and so it felt to me like to have it just drop on Netflix and for everyone to be able to watch it whenever they could in the middle of a pandemic was like, what a little gift, you know? It just was like, it felt like something that had been missing for me. And also, you know, I, I know that some people find like Will Ferrell's stuff like tiresome occasionally, but, you know, I was a uh, probably like a freshman in college when old school came out you know like I watched him on SNL all through high school like I think I whether or not I love every single one of his movies I certainly like have grown up on that on that comedy and it was and it was really fun to see him in a part that had like that had a lot of heart too mm-hmm. um yeah so I I was I was looking forward to it but I I didn't know that I would love it as much as I do when he's in semi-sentimental mode that's when his movies work the best for me mm-hmm. um you know i i did not have high expectations of blades of glory for example and ended up loving it when i finally watched it and kicked myself for missing it theatrically um i, I think his reputation precedes him inaccurately uh where i look back at most of what he's done and i just i need to be i need to be in the mood to not be overly analytical and just enjoy something a bit silly and a bit ridiculous and when you add a rachel mcadams to his riffing ability that the the things that i picked out in this movie that i assume were were extended riffs of his it she she was so so good in game night when she was allowed to just do pure comedy and she's been good at that her whole career and and this movie unleashes her and you know had me wanting yet more of her not because of will or anything but because she was so good and then you add uh shirtless under a blazer dan stevens mm-hmm. and you have a trailer that has me going yes i want this i want this now i'm I'm really big into singing competition movies singing competition reality stuff hosted by graham norton on the bbc and i just the, the yes it's a it's a movie yes it's fake it's fictional, but that doesn't mean that you don't get invested in the characters, even if, you know, it's Pierce Brosnan doing a ridiculously bad Icelandic accent. Um, you you get invested in this stuff because of the kind of narrative that it's wrapped around. And it's just, it's, it's delightful. And and little little cameos here and there, little, uh, you know, bit parts, uh, you know, throughout are, are delightful. And initially I looked at it and I went, two hours, do I really need two hours of this? Yes, I needed two hours of this four viewings later. Yeah, I've watched it three times now, in part because I knew we were going to record this. But I think what you said, Sage, about it having heart, and I think 
we often underestimate comedy and it's always seen as a lower form than mm-hmm. a dramatic movie. But I, and I also agree, Moises, when you say that when Will gets sent Will Ferrell gets sentimental, he can be really great at that. And I think that's part of why wealth elf is such a powerful movie. And I also really love, um, Stranger Than Fiction, which is a I much more serious. I was like, I love that movie <laughs> so wonderful. much. And it at that movie actually transformed my opinion of him as an actor. And you go, wait a second, wait a second. You're falling into that trap where you think that people, just because they're being funny and silly and comedic, they're not talented. And so I think he actually is, I, I give him a lot more credits. And that's, that's part of what I was. I didn't expect Rachel McAdams to be this funny either. Uh-huh. I think comedy is, you know, kind of like figure skating in that it has to look effortless and that makes you forget that this is not something everyone can do. It's just this like beautiful, smooth, I mean, not always, but when done well, uh, it, you know, it has to be this smooth, beautiful thing. And we forget that and we think like it's harder to look brooding kind of. Uh, And a lot of times you see comedic actors will make the best dramatic actors because they have had to really hone everything about that. And I feel like, you know, Will Ferrell, like you're all saying, like we forget that because almost all the things he does are with heart and then like parts of them can maybe go beyond where certain people think things are either still funny or get funny. But you can tell like all of the things that he sort of satirizes or riffs on are things that he or someone in a project knows things about they're not yeah. just making fun of people who like car go fast you know like there's mm-hmm. there's always something there and what is so amazing is they have what i think is sometimes you know in literary theory called like cross vocalization that which you sometimes talk about like this works both if you know the stuff and if you don't mm-hmm. like it it works for the people who are like i can spot every reference here and i know exactly who that is supposed to be and this is funny because that tire doesn't go on that car or whatever but it can be just as funny if you don't and that is a very special kind of heart to be able to accomplish there's also the uh, the element of like repetition that he does which i like some people find annoying i think the point is that it's it is supposed to get to that point where it's annoying and then it becomes funny again like the the whole point is to sort of wear out the joke right like it's not like that's not happening like by mistake (laughs) they're intending (laughs) for that to happen um and there's a really good it's a very old um story on this american life where kurt brownaller the comedian tells a story about how he and kristen shaw when they used to do this show together would just do this bit where like kristen shaw would dance around the stage and he would just sing this like four line song that was like kristen kristen shaw is a horse kristen shaw is a horse and they just did it for like 15 minutes and he said they would keep doing it because they wanted to see like the audience would like laugh and then they'd sort of uncomfortably laugh and then they'd get quiet and then they'd laugh again like it was just like watching that because it's it's uh you know it's toying with your expectations of like when you think something is supposed to be over so I always find that kind of like comedy nerd stuff really fun to mm-hmm. observe yeah people make fun of his his uh, monomyth comedy template that is used in a lot of his movies and it's pieces of it are used here too and it's 
it's that he, yeah, he gets that certain things are ridiculous and he gets that certain things are just this massively overconfident, not as talented as he thinks he is character. And he just commits to the bit and committing to the bit is, is most of, uh, is most of what you have to do. And so many people are so much more self-conscious about looking like an idiot than great comedians are. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's so much of why the performance here works so well. And even if it starts to wear thin at, at parts, um, Rachel McAdams and other parts of the movie keep things fresh and it, it doesn't feel like you are watching just his movie. He is at the center of the movie, uh, but there's enough going on otherwise that, that you it doesn't wear out its welcome. And I think also that sort of monotone style, like somehow he and Rachel McAdams are both equally hilarious and play it equally straight yes mm -hmm. somehow like they <laughs> they as characters don't make jokes right but half of the things they say are so funny because they're so relaxed about it and it's almost not bizarre until you remember that it is because they're just like you know doing their thing backstage and it's just that is that is that is a hard sort of pinpoint to to achieve the way i think they do here I was also super surprised by Dan Stevens, who it took me a minute to recognize him with his wham hair. And I was like, wait a second, that's Matthew Crawley from Downton Abbey being so funny. And his character was also had a lot of heart to him for someone who was sort of set up to be a air quote villain. Right. And I kind of like that they subverted that they had a villain at the contest because really there's no... Well, there is a villain, but it's not within the, the frame of the, the contest. Mm -hmm. I like that he um, is uh, like and, and, and everything he sort of wants for um, Secret or wants from her is what she should be doing anyway. Like he's mm -hmm. just like, you are super talented and I think we could be great. He's not really. And he sees that she's being um, undervalued by her partner. 100%. And so he's like, this is not great for you I wouldn't do that to you like let's go make something great and that's not necessarily like like you say like it totally subverts the idea that he's the bad guy because he's just observing things like when she, he's she says something about like he says something to her about like singing from her heart or whatever and she's like that's just what my mother says like he somehow like just meets her and is like gets it you know and I want a spin-off movie about Alexander oh, please. so yes. badly <laughs> Just, like, go home to Russia and do, like, a tour. Yes. Because he's so amazingly just, like, earnest and yes. sincere. And he's set up that we're supposed to see, like, he's manipulative. He's going to steal her. But like you're saying, he sincerely cares about her. He doesn't take advantage of her when she's had a bit too much to drink. And in another movie, he would have lied to her and or... Mm -hmm. uh, Lars about them having slept together so that he would cause drama right but he's mm -hmm. just like no of course that you know he's a and gentleman it's like he, he's a gentleman and he's not evil he's just an artist like that and I, I really really like you were like I completely agree and I was saying that after I watched it like I really appreciate that the things he says are all like true mm. you know the line secret says when she Lars gets really mad about it and Secret says at least he sees me and Lars says I see you every day and Secret says 
no, you don't. And I was like, wow, that was like (laughs) such a punch in exactly the heart of them. That's like, that's the movie right there. And that's like Lars's journey. That was really one of my favorite things is that he was able to be self-motivated and self-centered about things. But I mean, so are Lars and Secret. You you honestly get the red herring of, oh, there are two villains in this movie, in addition to the, the bureaucratic guy from the Bank mm-hmm. of Iceland. He, he gets more dimension than we expect from somebody who starts to be set up as that kind of a villain. And you're like, oh, I kind of like this guy. Please. I don't want him to be a scumbag. He's He's kind of interesting. And oh, good. I was validated. He was not. He was not, in fact, uh, a total scumbag. Yeah. And from my perspective also, because we get, you know, at, at the very, very end, we get like, okay, we we get kind of a confirmation that, yes, he probably is in the closet. Mm-hmm. But all the way through, I'm like, it, like, because when he says there are no gay people in Russia, that's very much actually like a thing that people will say but also both in like parts of russian culture and definitely in parts of eurovision culture like all and any sort of hints references style that would say anything about sexuality are just like completely gone like a certain type because he could almost have all those oiled up half-naked male dancers being suggestive and just be like no we are macho men that is what we do Uh, and i just love how it's like in in this weird little sort of spiral of what is actually going on and, and then maybe like it doesn't actually matter but of course it is very very sad if he's in the closet in mother russia because that is that is not a good good life to have yeah he's kind of like a tragic character mm-hmm. i'm like oh he's so talented and like good-hearted and he just is oh god also his just his delivery of he him pronouns so good yes um he him uh i also like there's a line alluding to that too because doesn't when lars is like he's a sex player and he's like who else would walk around <laughs> with these four muscular men <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like a heterosexual sex player so great the layers y'all yeah, they would be uh they would be hot busty women <laughs> if that was the case. But hey, yeah, he's just he's comfortable in his masculinity. But he has also Mita at the end going, "Come to Greece, you deserve to be happy too oh. or you deserve to get what you want too." And I was like, there's my headcanon for um him leaving, going off with Mita, doing, you know, still having a career, being great and having some happiness. So if we don't get the spin-off of his his life, in my head, he gets a happy ending too, and she's not a villain either. No, yeah, no, she's not. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I total. I, I dig it as a team up. I, I, I revise my my previous request. I want Alexander and Mita sex players on the Mediterranean. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a Netflix miniseries where we can just sort of meet up with everyone in the in the movie at various points throughout the next four or five years. I love it. So, Julia, I would like to give you the space now to be our Eurovision expert and tell us, how is this movie? Because I can tell, like, watching it, you're like, this is loaded with references, I feel, and drop-ins <laughs> in characters, and especially the, the crazy smash-up party. The song-along. Yes, the song-along. It's so good. That's so great. So I want you to tell us, how does this hold up as a Eurovision fan? twelve points from the Swedish jury. Uh, Like some of the very small specifics, like you don't have the juried vote read out loud at the semifinals, but that's that's really just like nitpicky and it works better for yeah exactly. But what's so funny 
like I was saying, it works if you know the stuff and if you don't. But what I think is almost an extra layer of funny is watching it as someone who knows it very well and being like, somebody who doesn't will think that this is when Will Ferrell has just like taken things and run with them. It's like, no, nothing in this movie is exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Almost everything you see is either a very open reference to an actual act or just a straight up copy. Like everything right off references specific acts, spe- specific, you know, events, uh, chaos. Including and the hamster wheel. Exactly. The hamster wheel feels- has been used. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many oh. things that they couldn't. And I mean, this is a classic thing that you say about art in general, but like so many things that you couldn't have put in it because it would have seemed too ridiculous if you didn't know it was a direct <laughs> reference. And like even, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, so all this silver makeup is probably a reference to Sylvia Knight, who competed for Iceland, you know, over 10 years ago. And just like all these tiny things. And I think you really would see it as just this bizarre thing. And like little things like, you know, uh, everybody hates Great Britain. It's true. They haven't won since the <laughs> mid 90s. And also they keep sending weirder and weirder acts and people are like, well, are are you trying to lose? Are you try-? like and there's always all this talk about, you know, conspiracies. You joke about um, neighboring countries vote for each other. You have to yell as because I go to viewing parties every year mm-hmm. for Eurovision with my friends. I would like to do that. When the world exists again, we will do it digitally. But like we <laughs> assign all the points. We have a, a very specific point system. You know, there's 12 points total, but you, you give a point for the so- there's five points for the song, a certain number of points for clothes, for moves, for all of our vibe and for the ever important uh, keychain the key change, which sadly is less and less utilized um, because there's this very strong formula. It has to be three minutes. You can't have more than six people on stage, which is actually where the Swedish contestant in this movie would have been disqualified because he has six dancers, uh, which makes Mm -hmm. seven people. So, you know, all these little things, but like there are actual artists who don't just show up in the song along, but show up in other places. Um, and it's just like, because the, for instance, the Swedish artist is an actual Swedish artist who has competed. And a lot of the singing voices, both uh, Sigrid's and Alexander's and like lots of them are done by Swedish singers, which to me is extra hilarious. <laughs> and the main baddie is played by <laughs> one of Sweden's for, foremost actors. Like it's, I, I don't know if, if um, Will Ferrell's wife made him do that. But it's just like so many of these things, all of the staging, all of the props, the songs, the artists, all of them are just pulled straight from reality. And like I said, it's amazing to watch because you're like, I know that, I know that. And you're like, and what does an American make of this? (laughs) Because if you don't understand that, like, and different countries, a lot of countries will have their own sort of pre- uh, song contest where people can vote and there could be semifinals there. In some cases, it's the governing body of public television and so on and so forth. But but it is like, it's a huge thing. It's so important. Some people will like it ironically, but even the people who like and watch ironically will halfway through the final just like care deeply. And it's just so important. And 
I I could keep going forever and ever. I will say, I will ask Annette to to post in the show notes the video that I linked where the Swedish host the Swedish hosts from a few years ago went <clears throat> Swedish hosted because we Sweden hosted because we won the year before. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, they have this amazing sort of variety number about how you write the perfect Eurovision song. And I don't know if I should make a YouTube playlist showing where each and every reference is from, because it's the exactly the same thing. You'd be like, wait, why are there little old Russian ladies holding bread and a half-naked woman churning butter? What is going on? Every reference straight from reality, literally. And it's just, it's the most of everything. It's like all of the biggest things that you could imagine just smushed together with extra sequence, complete earnestness, tiny bit of irony, but still mostly earnest irony. Just all the things, the kitchen sink, more sparkles, uh, and <laughs> sugar and butter. I'm waving my hands so much in my room right now. <laughs> I'll also post the video I found when it has all of the Eurovision winners from the 1950s till last year and it's fascinating to see the evolution of it too and actually uh, you can tell abba when it, they won in 1974 there's like a shift after that and then there's like another shift in the 2000s where it kind of gets bigger and glitzier and it, it was like really fascinating to watch and because they're also for instance again little things like when she starts singing in icelandic at the at the end of the movie it's both like it's super you know, poignant because they talk about like nobody ever wins. Nobody's ever won with a song in Icelandic. And it's there have been sort of waves of because they only changed the rules in like the 70s, I think, so that you could sing in another language than your own. That was a very hard rule, which meant that like England, France, Germany had a huge advantage because we could at least understand mm -hmm. sort of what they were saying. But then a lot of countries have gone back to where they mix. So it's both that she sings Icelandic to sort of connect her to her own country and tradition, but it also connects her to a very specific, specific through line in Eurovision of daring to go back to singing to your own tiny, you know, like when, when someone sings in, in Moldovan or whatever it might be. And so there are just so many, not just jokes, but also very sort of heartfelt things that are very true and very sweet. I, I admittedly have far less experience the Eurovision, but I have a little bit of experience um, figuring out how to watch it uh, over, over the years in bits and pieces as it's going. And um, I just started belly laughing at the Belarus group doing their wolf song because it was <laughs> so precisely, perfectly Eurovision, especially from that that particular area. area. Um, and it just... I loved how it never felt like it was punching down. Was it ridiculous? Was it over the top? It 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 felt incredibly accurate. Albeit, you know, I haven't watched like every act every year for years, but I've caught bits over the years, and it just it it felt so respectful on that front, and that was what I was worried about the most. Yeah, every aspect of it, it's like all of the acts are like at the top of their game. Like they're like, oh, this is like really hard to get into because everyone is so talented. You know, all of the like production people that you see are like supposed to be excellent at their jobs. Like they're they are the ones who screw up. Like Fire Saga are the ones that like mm -hmm. mess up. It's never it's never due to anyone else's fault but their own. But I think it's also so funny that everyone is completely agreed that, oh, they suck. And I'm like, they're great. I know. They don't <laughs> suck. They don't suck at all. They have some logistical problems, but then it's also like, 
again, tiny nitpick, they would get to do their song again. It's happened, for instance, when somebody ran on stage in a clown suit and mooned the cameras. I was wondering, too, when I rewatched it and they're at the beginning when the the people at at Icelandic Public Television are watching. (laughs) I love that Demi Lovato is in this movie just (laughs) singing her face off, like, totally. And they're watching that, and they say that she's from, like, whatever, and I assume it's a city. And so it felt like there was, like, a class issue there as well where they were like well there's no way that these two people from this like fishing town could be as good as this like sophisticated polished act I don't know if that's like necessarily true but that's what I kind of felt like that was an aspect too can we talk about the elves I don't know why this is like (laughs) such a funny sled plot I would love to talk about the elves. Elves. Well, the thing is, again, this is, again, someone with love and knowledge and understanding because mm-hmm. Iceland has this deep tradition of deep and, like, weird and lovingly hilarious mythology. Like, they <laughs> they have the Yule Lads, which now there are 13. There used to be even more. And they, like, they, they do these little tricks. Like, there's the sausage-stealing Yule Elf. The what? And the... <laughs> Yeah, like they just they do these tricks. Is there one that does the, murder? That's the thing. The ones that have been like sort of canonized are more or less like not even harmless, but like tricksters. they're not scary. They're tricksters and like, you know, they're partially so that you will behave around Christmas mm-hmm. uh, and like not leave your shoes out and clean up and like not, you know, do the dishes and whatever. But they they are the children of this horrible witch. Originally, there were hundreds of them. They include elves like Lung Slapping Santa, who is a little sort of elf Yule Lad trickster who has his lungs outside his body and will <laughs> slap you with them. That's like that kind of thing. Terrifying. That witch also has a cat, Yule Kittiri. Uh There's a song about it that you can hear by Bjork on Spotify. Uh, that if you didn't get any new clothes for Christmas, it comes and eats you. Oh, so there's just this like and I mean, a lot of this, like so much folklore is about like, let's keep people from dying. We need to teach children. Don't go outside because it is dark. You will break your legs. It's all about following the rules. We need to follow the rules. But also to sort of insert a little magic. So I love Mm -hmm. that when she goes there. And I think that the movie, again, does it with love and respect. You don't feel that she's like, you know, nutty or super old school or whatever. It's just like this is a part of her life like you know touching wood or whatever it might be uh but yeah again somebody knows their stuff here and i love it and the the elves and because because i was kind of thinking like i really want to see if they take this to the literal at some point in this movie you know? With the little door slam. I know, that's shut. such a great... I love that they don't show it, and it's just, like, little it's slam. You can't have, like, a little elf. Like, it's just... It's too good when you don't see it. Mm-hmm. So so often the whole thing is, oh, I was so clever. Oh, I saw that coming. I did not see that coming, and no. I did not know how uh, he was going to get out of, of this garrote around his neck, and it was so satisfying. It was so it's, satisfying. It, they also serve like a really, they also serve another story purpose because like Secret doesn't have anybody to talk to about like how she feels. And so that mm-hmm. like the first time she goes to talk to them, like, it's like it's so, it was so sweet to me. Like, it's like she only tells the elves that she's like been in love with this man like their whole lives. Like, it's very and she sad. She comes back is like, wait, 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 one more thing. Just, you know, th- uh, not, not important right now, but just, right. you know. <laughs> if we could win. 
<laughs> it's like it's like the equivalent of you know if something happens in a household you have to tell the bees about it because they will grieve or be happy for you it's kind of like just this part of her that is important and i love it yeah and she doesn't have any friends in this movie unfortunately so like there's nobody else to sort of like give that in like that exposition to that moment when she says, the elves went too far. The elves went too far. <laughs> because that's the thing. They're not just benevolent and they're not just helpful. Or it is kind of like a monkey paw thing. You know, be careful what you wish for because it may not come about the way that you think. Did you know that it actually, uh, an Icelandic artist did actually die, who won the, the national tryouts, did die before he could go to Eurovision. Oh, no. Uh, and his family was like, no, we still want it to go on. And so six of his friends got together and performed the song oh. that he wrote. Oh, and it's, my God. And, and they called him, I think his name was Sigun, and their like group name was Sigun's Friends. And they oh. performed this song about looking back, which is like, ah, goosebumps and, and tears. It's so emotional. Um, Rachel McAdams is great at delivering lines like that because mm-hmm. that the elves went too far just reminded me of her in Game Night saying, oh, no. Oh, he no. died, <laughs> which is one of my favorite line readings uh, in like film history. And anyone who has not seen Game Night, you gotta watch it. it because then you will immediately want to watch it again. It's so good. <laughs> oh no, he died. How do you think they like the arc of the romance works for a rom com? I'm going to call it because I think it is ultimately a rom com within this musical competition movie. Because I love the running joke that they're probably not probably. siblings. Because they have their their last names suggest that they have at least a father with the same name. But they're like, it's so because Iceland is so small that there's actually an app that somebody has developed so that before you start dating someone, you know how closely related you are. Like it's, it's again, it's a joke on so many levels. And I just... Because they, they never really, like, make it clear either way. Like, oh, you know, we've we've tried and it didn't work or somebody has turned somebody else down. It's kind of like, you know, we, we've, we're we in this rut and it's kind of nice. Uh, and it if you don't think about the fact too much that technically they should both be in, like, their mid-50s, which makes the mm-hmm. baby kind of weird. But actually would make sense to ask the elves because it's like, you know, you're the only ones who could actually make this happen. But it's just it's such a sweet little story. And, you know, the misunderstandings and the, you know, sort of blindness and not seeing of nothing of it is like egregious in the way where it needs a huge, like a huge thing to come back to. Like when he comes back for her, it is not for her love. It's for her as a person, Mm -hmm. which is more romantic than a big romantic Mm -hmm. gesture to me does that make sense like yes he comes back because this is important to her and not because this is important to her and he wants to show her his love that way if anything it's the inversion of it where he's been doing the grand gesture over and over but not wanting the simple things and him embracing the simple uh the simple the simple reasons why they they work so well together the reason that all of the the big theatricality that they engage in works so well is because they are so close. And uh, yeah, I, as a, you know, trying to be overly critical of this movie, 
you're you're not watching the movie for the right reasons <laughs> so like the, the age difference between the two of them i don't care um you know the 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 being able to pinpoint precisely about how old you know is will ferrell supposed to be in his like mid to late 20s i guess um no they're, sure. i think no because they're both ki- no, they're both yeah, kids in 1974 in the they're oh, very okay, specific okay. so <laughs> both of them have to be in their 50s so even if you interpret present day loosely, I'm like, I feel like they yeah. have to at least be in their 40s. And, th- and that shows just how little I was caring or paying that much attention <laughs> to that part of it. It just it didn't matter to me because it the 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 authenticity of the connection between the two of them, you know, when you, you see them as kids and then you jump forward and they're adults. Um, they, they just they they are both very good at their jobs. And it, it mattered a lot more that it felt like they had that length of relationship and they had that that uh that common language between the two of them so much that that is spoken and so much that is unspoken um it just it was wonderful what also makes it an amazing romantic story is that the movie would have worked just as well as a sort of platonic love story mm-hmm. like you could have taken out the 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 sex party parts <laughs> uh and or even like you know reverse genders same genders like no because like what it is is about like you know two hearts singing from their hearts oh. in an acoustic <laughs> version uh and meeting in perfect harmony <laughs> you know like it's it's and that's how you tell a really good i think love story is when it's about people I read like something I was reading. I just crossed my path on Tumblr and someone was like, these are my 10, my top 10 like rules for writing. And one of them was like, if your characters have to kiss for you to know that they're in for people to know that they're in love, then you're not writing it right. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of how I felt about this movie. I the whole concept of like wanting to support someone else's dreams that are close to yours, but not exactly the same and sort of the like. The selflessness of that but also how that can be very difficult and how it can be really rewarding because you know it's not all about you um is great and I loved about their relationship too the entire time that they're constantly like building each other up like constantly like every time she sings he's like that's the best you've ever sounded you know like it's just it they have such a great base basis of friendship that you like you do I would say like of anybody it, it is kind of it is a little bit harder to understand like Lars's point because mm-hmm. he's like what about the band and it's like your your band is two people <laughs> you know <laughs> uh you'll figure it out yeah it, it just has like a really sweet arc I I think for me I really loved Sigrid's arc because that moment when she finally asks for him to do something and I she's the one who stands up keeps going and he follows her which i think Mm -hmm. shows how how much she is still part of that partnership and he is listening and paying attention to her perhaps more than he even gets and he's like okay so we're doing this and we're singing and then she asks him and says you know she's like i'm going into that room and i'm going to face the music and i'm going to be an artist because that's what an artist does and if that's you know and i was like that moment was so powerful and she says I want you to follow, like, I'm asking you to do this one thing. And then he totally rejects that. And it's like this heartbreaking moment. And then, like, when Alexander, in just the utter kindness of him to sit and hold her her hand (laughs) before they know, like, before he, like, and he's like, you're probably going to get zero points and it's going to be fine. And then celebrating with him and stuff. And I, I don't know, that whole moment was so great. So then, you know, for... 
like Lars to come around and understand what he needs to do for for secret but it was like that moment she finally asked for what she wanted whereas most mm-hmm. of the time she is going with what he wants and supporting him and it she just like she finally stood up for herself and did something so brave and she was just so brave all the time as a character and that gentle way where he comes from is like relatable where i think a mm-hmm. lot of people like want want the stage and they want the popularity but they're just not prepared for the potential failure aspect of it um like she doesn't even want necessarily to like personally to the degree that she wants it for him and because of him and because she like believes in their music but like she doesn't care necessarily for herself about being like on that stage but she's the one who's like listen it didn't work out but we're here and like that's a part of it yeah it just shows like incredible strength of character Mm-hmm. And it's because one of my sort of romance catnips is when both parties are giving up what they want for the other person without realizing it. Here it's so lovely because they take turns giving it up and that helps them see that they actually want the same thing. Because he's like, you know, I'd like the original version of Volcano Man better, but this is what we have to send to your vision because that's what will work. Very much like don't try to... don't try to guess what people want don't try to be someone else because the the real the real magic note is inside you all along and what he really wants like all boils down to is like he wants his dad to respect him right Mm -hmm. and so like and that's what this is all about like he thinks somehow if he can prove to his dad that this dream was not um fruitless then like he'll be happy and so when his dad is proud of him then it's like okay well that's it that's that's actually what this was all about and now we can kind of like go like fabulously throw this entire competition in a way that like no one's ever going to forget because that's not what even really mattered I love that so much that in the end because the song is so much about what secret actually wants and what's important to her and what's important to them and it's just and that but and yet that's what makes the song work so well is that it is from the heart and it's not trying to be that formula that Julia was talking about earlier where (laughs) you have to do all these things but it's like this was a that that song to me is just it's a beautiful song and that moment made me reclamped I like actually was like I think I'm gonna cry a little bit right now emotional 100 percent. all of the hair on my body was standing on end and what is so funny that again this is a song that I could see at 20 different Eurovisions and it could have won in at least three of them. So it's it's not that like this isn't a Eurovision song. It's just my magic. This this song could also have won. And I love that the this you know th- that the disqualification thing comes up before she sings it, mm-hmm. so that you don't get the letdown of like oh and also they're disqualified. They say it first, so it's an open mm-hmm. decision not just between them but to the audience as well. So that this song is like sort of set free from and separate from any actual sort of pressure in the context of the contest, Mm. which is a really nice way of doing it. And it's a tremendous showcase of of something else that Rachel McAdams does quite well, in addition to her comedic chops, which we have praised roundly already, which is it is rare that an actor is this good at selling uh, lip syncing to someone else singing and pulling it off. And she pulls it off off Mm -hmm. oh my god and they've done a really good job of sort of mixing the 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 behind the curtain singer with her so that you get just enough of sort of her tone that it can be 
almost believable that it's her. I read that they were going to do the same with um, Dan Stevens, but COVID prevented them from doing that final mix. Oh, that's a bummer. So I was like, oh, that's because he, he actually sing. can sing because he yeah. was in Beauty and the Beast. So I was like, yeah. oh, that would have been uh, a nice touch. Nice. So well, for the spinoff, <laughs> yes, but they <laughs> yeah. get the, they get that reference in when he's you know tells them to be his guest in the mm-hmm. in the castle. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Oh, I didn't that's even occur right. to me. I missed that. Ugh. I did enjoy the the referential moment of um, Pierce Brosnan watching ABBA perform Waterloo. That made my <laughs> Mamma Mia heart very happy. Right. Uh. How is this as a vacation movie for, I guess, Iceland and Scotland? Because we're in Ed- we have that great little montage of touring around Edinburgh, which I thought was quite fun. I want to go to Iceland immediately. I think it's so gorgeous. And I love that the song like just makes this reference to this like very peaceful, like beautiful place. Um, I actually I had I was looking on IMDb and it's really sweet. Like if you look through the IMDb reviews, there are a lot of them that are like, thank you from Iceland. Like <laughs> this is one of the few times I felt such emotions while watching a movie. Uh, many people, not Icelanders, criticize this movie saying that it's embarrassing for Icelanders and makes us look stupid. Well, to tell you the truth, they got us in my mind pretty accurately. <laughs> Made a freaking account just to write this. <laughs> Thanks from Iceland and have a good one. So th- 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 stuff like that that's very sweet where it made me feel like there were elements of it that were um pretty uh on point um and it just the the scenery was so stunning and beautiful and also i really want to go drink in that bar yeah and yeah. And, and demand yeah yeah ya, ya, ding dong <laughs> i want to go to there and wear a sweater uh like it's so hot in new york right now and all i want to do is be in iceland in a bar drinking a stein and uh, drinking from a stein and wearing a sweater singing yeah yeah ding dong the end i feel that big time coming from deep in the heart of texas uh, i just <laughs> i want somewhere that is covered in ice uh for basically the whole year uh i just want to cool off for a week my husband has been to iceland twice uh for work things and he says that it's actually another very funny accuracy that icelanders are very skeptical of any kind of foreigners so his like no we hate you we really really do at the end is like extra hilarious i i have iceland on my dream list and have for many years because it has so many of the things that i like like tiny horses and lots of wool and knitting and hot Mm -hmm. springs uh and and you know green fields and all of that and again like this amazing nature amazing folklore uh and and yeah, I think because like, you know, I, I, I'm i from Sweden. We're a tiny nation of, of 10 million people. The country is the size of California, but it's too cold to live in most of it. Uh, and, you know, we get happy when someone mentions us in any kind of culture. So like Iceland, which I think is possibly bigger in area, but has like a population of like three, four hundred thousand people. It must be even more magical to be like, we exist. Someone said Iceland. <laughs> and they they are also very passionate and very good at Eurovision and have an amazing breadth breadth of the, the breadth of of what they send and I want to go there and look at all the things and go in all the hot water and <laughs> buy all the yarn you can buy yarn of high quality very cheaply in like the grocery store and my husband brought me back half a suitcase because he knows me ah 
But I also want to go back to Scotland. I've only visited once uh, to do an interview and I wasn't there long. And just like the the castle at the top of the mountain and also pubs with people in sweaters, I'm assuming. Also, not to be dark about this, but Iceland totally just like killed COVID. There's almost yeah, nothing they there. They they did exactly what they were supposed to do, unlike, uh, you know, where I am. So uh, I would like to go for that as well. <laughs> I mean, because Iceland and Finland both had the amazing sort of opportunity of having small populations that are very used to uh, staying inside right. and who felt that six feet was very uncomfortably close to other people. <laughs> <laughs> A while back, Icelandic Air started flying out of Edmonton Airport, and part of their deal here is that because we to fly to Europe, you can fly um, and like entice us into using their airline. They they will let us have a free stopover, so you can oh yeah for free fly to Iceland, stay as long as you want, and then continue your journey to wherever you're going in Europe. That's and so, so around here, um, everyone's doing that. So everyone like we're just like. Iceland, Iceland, Iceland. Everyone should go to Iceland because uh, I haven't heard anyone who's gone and not enjoyed spending like three or four days on their trip to somewhere else, spending time there. And so seeing, again, these beautiful scenes in the ocean and the mountains and the landscape, um, it definitely puts it on my list. As, as someone who also lives near the Arctic Circle, I will say to any and everyone who wants to go, Pick the right sort of three months of the year, because if you're not used to both the cold, the wet, bone-biting cold, but also the dark, because if you're not used to the very, very northern parts of the world, understanding how dark and how much dark, it's hard on the soul. Other thing about Iceland that, uh, that I look forward to is all the fresh fish. I love fish. Oh, and I want to add to Julia's knitwear. Like, Sigrid's knitwear was outstanding, and I would go there for the so knitting good. as All well. All of her clothes were so good, and her oh. hair was so cute. Those, her, like, little space buns. Oh, I love I want her. her hair. I wish I could have that perfect wave like, happening. Like, wave, I know. And then also I loved her, like, gigantic sequin dress that she wears to the song party. That was so good i love it oh it was so good that my husband was like that dress is amazing yeah <laughs> and and that's not even like a gendered thing it's just like not usually something that he points out and i was like i have to make that dress yeah make mm-hmm. that dress Please right now do. then we want pictures and the costumes were terrific and so yeah fun. yeah and like the diversity of costume from like the performance costumes to the like costumes of the quote-unquote regular people doing their everyday things Oh, the I'm going to ask for final thoughts and I'm going to say the last thing that I really like the ending where the whole town like really comes around them when they drive in and they're so proud of them. But then at the same time, they're back doing sometime in the future, having a baby standing in front of stage and they still just don't want to hear your stupid Eurovision song. Just sing ya ya ding dong. It's just like, yeah, it's like you got their respect. They love you for what you did, but you don't want, we don't want to hear that beautiful song. Just sing ya ya ding dong. Oh. Just made me laugh. <laughs> the baby with the little headphones on. Mm-hmm. Can't. So cute. So any, anyone else? Final thoughts before we wrap up this penultimate leg of our vacation. It's, it's actually really funny because for a long time, 
Iceland has been a stopover between many European cities and like the US or Northern America. So it felt really funny to be like, we just had to add this extra stop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, this is a movie, like, I know that you've all rewatched it several times, but I feel like this is a movie that both you can rewatch in quick succession and just like pick up anytime you need it. Like, it is like the perfect, you know, Icelandic patterned sweater to just slip on comfy socks it will i don't think this movie will ever fail to make me feel good and the songs will go in my eurovision list uh in my playlist in spotify <laughs> i just wish that the recording of yaya ding dong was longer but <laughs> leave them wanting more this is quality comfort food like just quality all the nutrients and vitamins you need in a in a buttery buttery sauce i completely agree i would love like 10 more movies that have this same sort of tone and um love for the source material or the 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 uh, material that was the inspiration that have these sort of really committed sensitive and yet hilarious performances amazing songs i will 100 percent keep coming back to this movie and I think it's one of those movies that I will end up sharing with a lot of people like you know those movies where if somebody says well I haven't seen that and you're like okay we're like at, we're turning it on we're right going now. home right now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you're like this is unacceptable this definitely feels like one to to just keep on sharing and I just it, it again like anything that sort of makes me feel good at this time <laughs> I, I love even more than I probably would at another time so it just really felt like a nice hug mm. i i don't believe in guilty pleasures and yeah. there are very few things that i like ironically but like this this is something that like it to me it's not so bad it's good it's Same. it's good i love it yeah. earnestly no, it unironically and i will i will uh, blow some sort of battle horn in the face of anyone who disagrees <laughs> no no guilt all pleasure this this movie for me uh sage and i i think we're in college at the same time not at the same place i couldn't have been that lucky to to have been able to socialize with uh with with someone with such incredibly good taste um but uh as as we are contemporaries i think that the early mid-aughts there was that time when there would be those movies that just about everybody would have on dvd mm-hmm. just because you never know uh, when, you know, in my case in Florida, it's going to be a hurricane weekend where you just kind of stay in. But th- this this feels like exactly that kind of movie, like old school. Loads of people had copies of old school, which, uh, you know, had had some of its own issues when you look at it in the rearview mirror. But it was it was a movie that did not take itself too seriously and was was willing to embrace sentiment at different points. And that's that's something that I find common across Will Ferrell's entire filmography. And and I love that that as his career has progressed, he does not have to overpower the narrative. And that's why I think this movie works so well is that there is room for Rachel McAdams. There's room for Dan Stevens. There's room for, I think her name's Natasha Dimitrio from what we do in the shadows who shows up ah, for like five minutes. Such yes. an amazing. But <laughs> she just, she just parachutes in and gives me a little dose of joy. Uh, 
I do think it is kind of the perfect movie for a COVID pandemic because it is, I like the concept of it being a hug. I thought going in, I was going to like it ironically, to be honest. I was like, oh, I'm just, it'll be kind of fun. But then I was just like, no, I love it wholeheartedly. And I think part of why I love it wholeheartedly is because this is the movie and the feel that I would like now. And my husband came down yesterday and he's laughing because I was like sniveling on the couch again Aww. at the ending. And I was like, oh, stop it. And he just laughs. But it's like, oh, it just is such a little perfect thing for this moment when so many things are stressful and awful so thank you it's almost even more a perfect covid movie because it was gonna be released to coincide Mm -hmm. with the actual eurovision song contest in may and again it's such a funny thing which they couldn't have known when they started that this year's icelandic uh song was amazing and could have won and it was just like okay you didn't get the real thing but here is your magic underdog story. I also like how they never explain why they're called Fire Saga. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't kind of want to know. It's just too care. good and random. Yeah. On that note, we are going to wrap up our Icelandic vacation. So thank you so much for coming with me. And thank you, Sage, for instigating this by <laughs> making me realize that, oh, yeah, there's more of us out there. I don't have to hide in the shadows. Sage was the fire saga all along. Thank you for enabling me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Agents of Smooch is part of the Incomparable Network, where you can find many great pop culture podcasts. If you're enjoying our show and our virtual vacation, please tell your friends or leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher. You can find us on Twitter at Agents of Smooch. And you can become a member of the Incomparable Network at theincomparable.com. Our members get some fun extra perks, including our growing list of incomprehensible agents of smooch tipsy commentaries. And until next time, agents, stay safe.